0: quick review here. We are talking about spiritual formation generally. Uh, and what we said about that is that this is the process uh, by which we are made into the image of Jesus or the process by which the image of God in us is being renewed. Um, we talked about how uh, this is a way to talk about salvation. Jesus or uh, well, Paul speaks of the work, um, the work of salvation as being a renewal of of the image of God in us. And so spiritual formation is that. And and the the thing that we wanted to uh, focus in on is how this affects our desires and our loves. How we are formed and reformed, uh, having our desires reordered and redirected in the direction that they should be directed. And so uh, one of the important things that we're trying to deal with this entire semester is the practices of spiritual formation. Um, Not just the theology of it, uh, not just talking about it, but we want to emphasize the actual practices that that avail ourselves to the work of God's spirit in our lives. And here's a quote from Dallas Willard on that front in the way that he describes spiritual disciplines. He says it's an activity undertaken to bring us into more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. I think that's a helpful way to put it. And then a quote from Willard, another one on your sheet that we need to keep in mind at all times as we... Study these practices, and that's that grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. Grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. Our justification, our being made right with God, declared righteous and forgiven based on what Jesus has done for us, is something that God alone does. It's monergistic in that way. God is the sole one who works in our justification. But in our sanctification, in the process by which we become more like Jesus, both we and God work. That's uh, Philippians 2 that we looked at. For it's, uh, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So we work in the process of our becoming like Jesus because God is at work in us. So in a lot of ways we could say we're trying to get in the way, put ourselves in the way of God's transforming grace in our lives. So we've been talking about... Um, We talked generally about uh, change and spiritual formation that first week. Then I talked some about worship. Jacob talked about music in particular. And last week, Darwin talked about studying and reading the word generally. We're going to continue with this individual focus this week, and then we're going to pan out next week and talk about sacraments and some corporate practices, Just kind of the way the schedule worked out here. But as a question uh, to get us going this morning... uh, Love for us to think about this. What are some causes of our periodic, sometimes extended periods of spiritual dryness and dullness? What are some causes of that? Yeah, that's going to be one we talk about over and over again. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, with a focus on self is going to necessarily detract from a focus on Jesus. I'm going to reverse that and say unselfishness. Uh, Our efforts to serve others
1: constantly responding to requests takes away from our ability to meditate.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good specific distraction here. That uh, there's a way in which uh, doing the right things or good things... Uh, to a two, I was say too great a degree, or at the wrong time, or in the wrong response. I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. How it can crowd out uh, good things. What's the phrase? The, um, well, I don't remember the phrase now, but basically, good things can crowd out even better things, potentially.
1: Isn't that connected with your motivation for why you're doing those
0: things? Yeah, yes. Yeah, very good point. And that would be something certainly to explore on that front.
1: I think it could be priorities, Brian.
0: Uh huh. Sometimes we get so focused on our day-to-day agenda or priorities that we always read this during church service about our mentality is not to serve you
1: and not to do this. We always read it every Sunday on a little pamphlet. Mm hmm. And to me personally. I mean, it's like, man, it sure is like. I'm, I'm
0: sort of like that sometimes. I'm sort of like that consistently yeah 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 i think our it's our default to uh, to to drift if you could say it that way um, I want to describe uh, kind of a narrative yeah other thoughts uh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No doubt. Yeah, Lydia. Uh, intellectually
1: studying the word, even perfunctorily, without applying it to the heart.
0: Yes, that's actually. That's, thank you. Perfect. Perfect on the segue. Seminarians <laughs> yeah. do that. Yes. Well, and I think I think this is going to be huge to talk about today, given that we are in, and I, I know people in here have various backgrounds and things, but being in a PCA church that identifies within the, this wonderful uh, thread of the Reformed tradition. Uh, I think that could be so huge for us. And uh, I want to describe this common narrative that I've actually heard over and over and experienced myself. Um, And it's where you can look back on your life and find a time and see a time where you experience this almost overwhelming growth. It might have been right after you were converted, right after you put your faith in Jesus and you began to grow in significant ways. It might be, and this is the case where I'd say it could be specific to our tradition, where you go uh, back to the place where you first discovered reform doctrine or just that there was this incredible amount of theology and thinking that had been put into understanding the Bible. And so you, you just can't get enough of it. And a lot of people look back to RUF as being the time when that happened where you just can't get enough of the Bible. But then you get to a point of competency where you kind of start to understand maybe some of the the basics or the general framework of theology, or even the basic narrative of the Bible. You get to a point where you kind of have grasped that to a degree, and you start feeling as though you've arrived. And because of that period of growth, you start identifying growth with just an acquisition of theological facts or biblical knowledge. And the the, the tough thing about this is that it can begin... uh, you can start evaluating all reading, teaching, preaching uh, by the standard of did I learn something new? And if I didn't acquire any new facts, then that really wasn't worth it, that I'm not really growing. And, and so I think that results then in this period of kind of stagnation and dryness because you've gotten to a point where you're, you're more concerned about knowing about God than you are concerned with knowing God. And that's a huge, huge distinction right there. It's not to say that we shouldn't know about God, but we've got to remember that it's always with the end of knowing God himself, the person with whom we have relationship. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, this, this week's lesson in, the, uh, in Luke, uh, in, I mean, in Acts for the Women, mm-hmm. it's about Paul going into Athens and how they just get together, all of the people, just to hear new things and Sometimes we, I understand what you're talking about, we can think, well, uh, let me hear something new.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. And have that perspective rather than, you know, well, I've read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think what's great about this is that... Well, uh, not great about that issue. But where we're going today is that I think memorization and meditation actually... Meet those things head on all the spiritual practices that we'll talk about do. But I think these in particular, because they deal with the word, obviously, but they deal with a study of the word. I shouldn't even say study. They deal with an interaction or engagement with the word in a way that is different from a pure acquisition of facts or just a pure study. There's nothing wrong with studying. There's there's glory in our tradition. We should praise God that we stand in the tradition that we do and that we can study the Bible like we can. I mean, it's wonderful. That's why many of us ended up here. Um, but we have to guard against Christianity becoming something that is exclusively intellectual. Okay, It engages the intellect, but that's not all that it engages. It engages the whole of us. And so I think these two ways of interacting and engaging with the word, memorization meditation... Are two ways of bringing the word of God and even God Himself into our lives in ways that go beyond, not in lieu of or um, in exchange for, but beyond just an intellectual acquisition. So that's what I want to look at this morning. Are these two things? We'll spend less time on memorization and more on meditation, just because I think that's there's more to discuss maybe around meditation. Um, And again, I want to make this really practical. So that's what I've tried to do um, in these questions that we'll have. We'll have some discussion throughout. So memorization of the word. What is it most basically? Uh, memorization is, as you might guess, this process of continually remembering the word of God and keeping it ever before you. Pretty straightforward, right? Some uh, passages that speak to this. And again, there's going to be some overlap between memorization and meditation. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it, med- meditate on it day and night so that you be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Psalm 119.11, I've stored up your word in my heart. And then Ephesians 6, this is an important connection as well when Paul's speaking here of putting on the whole armor of God. says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And I've tried to by underlining there, make a connection between his point to say in all circumstances do this. Take up the word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in all circumstances. That's going to point us towards memorization. Maybe the most significant passage in the New Testament about memorization would be that of Jesus's temptation in the wilderness in Matthew four. Um, we'll read this and you will notice how Jesus responds to these temptations from Satan. And Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, "If you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread." But Jesus answered and said, to him, sorry, but Jesus answered, "It is written, these are all, by the way, all three of these quotes are from Deuteronomy that Jesus is quoting here. It's written, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on, the hands, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan twists things here, takes the word of God and tries to misapply it and tempt Jesus with this. But Jesus responds with the right interpretation. Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the prime example here of why we should memorize scripture, that Jesus, our Lord himself, does it. But he also gives these very practical reasons why it's important. So uh, that's our second question to answer. Why should we do this? Why memorize Scripture besides what Jesus has just said and his example of it? Here are a couple of quotes from Dallas Willard. Uh, These are convicting. We're going to get into plenty of really convicting stuff this semester. And... uh, (laughs) Part of the reason I really am excited and have enjoyed even preparing for this is because it forces me, like it adds another level of like impetus to say, "Let's actually engage in these practices." You are going to get up and talk about them. How about you actually do them, Brian? Uh, so here we go. As a pastor, teacher, and counselor, I've repeatedly seen the transformation of inner life and outer life that comes simply from memorization and meditation upon Scripture. Personally, I would never undertake to pastor a church. Or guide a program of Christian education that did not involve a continuous program of memorization of the choicest passages of scripture for people of all ages. Okay, it's very important. Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to, and of course I don't have to, choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life and take only one, I would choose Bible memorization. I would not be a pastor of a church that did not have a program of Bible memorization in it, because Bible memorization is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what they need. So, uh, Willard, on and I mean, he obviously he's one who's written extensively on the whole uh, the the whole suite of Christian disciplines and and Christian practices. He's saying memorization might just be the most important. It might be the most important. Why? What are some reasons for this? Well, one, memorization enables conformity to Christ in this most basic way. This puts the word of God, the very words of God in our heads and in our hearts as well. The word of God is stored up in us. We begin to think God's thoughts after him. It changes who we are. Um, we, we actually begin to think like Jesus. That's That's incredible. Uh, memorization provides strength and temptation. This is what we saw in Matthew 4, both over sin and Satan. We've got the example of Jesus. And then in Psalm 119, we read that verse of storing up the word in our heart and the result being that we would not sin against God. So there's a connection there between memorization and, uh, and standing up in the face of temptation. Uh, memorization enables ministry. I have uh, that's generally uh, um, intentionally general there to just say ministry, because this would be both evangelism and counseling um, or shepherding or uh, caring and loving other people. This memorization helps us to love other people better. It enables us to give words to those who are hurting, to speak these promises and words of truth and of hope. But then also to uh, to our non-Christian friends We're able to actually give the word of God to them, speak the gospel to them. Memorization enables us in very practical ways to do that. Memorization is a means of God's guidance. Uh, This is huge. The Holy Spirit speaks through Scripture. The Holy Spirit, God himself, speaks through Scripture. Do you want to know what God is saying to you? Read the word of God. That's his very word to us. This is where we hear God's voice. We memorize scripture. This is God speaking to us. And as such, it's a means of his guidance in our lives uh, just by memorization. And then uh, memorization aids communion with God and abiding with Jesus. Let's turn to John 15. If you've got a Bible, this is I want to I want to read this passage because this is where, especially as we're talking about trying to shift from just a mere acquisition of facts about God to knowing God. this is a key passage in understanding that and understanding the way in which uh, remaining in abiding in God's Word actually enables us to abide with and remain in Jesus and, and be in communion with Him in this mystical union that's not fully uh, that's not fully uh, explainable. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And here, listen to verse 7. This pertains specifically to what we're talking about. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me. So have I loved you. Abide in my love. We could keep reading there. The the whole section is fantastic on this front. But as we have the words of Jesus dwelling us, this becomes a means by which we experience this communion with him. As a branch that, that is connected to this vine for everything, for all of life very life-giving power of Jesus in us. The memorization increases our joy in God and and His Word. This is obviously so important to keep in mind, particularly when we get into something that can become really discouraging. Uh, And that memorization can be that. But that God intends this for our joy in Him and in His Word. I have the passage from Psalm 19 there that speaks of the, the... how the word is to be desired, the wonder and glory and beauty of the word. Just look at verse 10 there. More to be desired are they, this is God's commands, than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and in keeping them there's great reward. So sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. That assumes that we are experiencing and tasting God's word in this way. Much more than just an acquisition of facts. And then uh, finally here, another a final point as to why this is beneficial and why this is important. Memorize stimulates meditation. And this will transfer us in here to meditation soon. Uh, when you've memorized a verse, you can meditate on it anywhere at any time. Very practical, right? When you have the word of God memorized in that way, you don't need to have a hard copy of the scriptures with you. Okay, um, I'll, we'll do this briefly because I think we we'll could probably talk about this next question for a while. What are the challenges, difficulties, maybe even objections, potential pitfalls to memorizing Scripture? And we've already said some.
1: Brian, uh, Jamie Avisall was a great jazz educator said everybody can improvise. Can everybody memorize and and. And everybody memorized to the same extent so that we all have to. I mean, it's a question. I don't read it here. You hear people that can
0: memorize the whole book of the Bible. Yeah. And, and I, I, how do people use this in the way that you described to enhance their own spiritual growth and maturity without feeling like it's a. <coughs> A certain standards set. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Sarah. It's told, it only matters that you take a step, you don't have to
1: memorize the whole
0: book. Great. Yes. Great point. Um, certainly there are some people who have just like this the, the incredible memory and uh, for whom it, it's very easy to do this. And uh, and then there are others where where it's a greater struggle. I think also though um, your memory can function somewhat like a muscle that needs to be trained in greater ways. And, and, and one of the things that I actually have down is that uh, as a reason why this is harder for us is that there's not, there's not a, the immediate need apparent to us. Like I get on, I, I, throughout the week when I'm preparing to teach or whatever, I'm constantly getting on and I'll just search on like Bible Gateway or something like that. Like, I don't have to memorize where things are. It's like, I know. Yeah, that's like Ephesians, too. I don't remember. I'll just do that real quick. Um, and so I, I've lost some of what I used to know um, because of the ease with which you can access other things. So all that says, I think it's something that can be trained and that you can you can continue to work on. Um, but yeah, as Sarah said, that the, the goal is to know God in the midst of this. And so there's not some standard that's set that uh, would say you must attain to this or this is not worth it, or you must attain to this or you're not really doing it. Yeah, Max.
1: Yeah. I think searching the Word of God, understanding it, and living by it is more important than memorizing mm-hmm. Uh And I think that's the problem that most of us don't search you know, what uh, was the will of God? And I want to go back to one, uh, at the beginning, a fellow here. You said that unselfishness can have, can make somebody like time to make to the world. I find it hard to, uh, to understand, I think. Mm-hmm. we say unselfishness because we have time, you know, on our schedule. Uh-huh. We have time for our baseball time, you know, our baseball game, our TV show that we want to watch. And we suddenly find that we don't have any more time to meditate the word, And it ends up being again selfishness. I think you should be able to sacrifice, you know, those times to look at yeah. uh, leisure activities and help people. I don't think by helping anybody I would lack time to meditate the word of God. So just going back to that point, because I have been thinking about what you said earlier, how unselfishness can bring you to a lifetime to meditate.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. I think that the things that we really, as a teacher, uh-huh. that we learn
1: are the things that make are practical in our lives. Because I can teach you multiplication facts, but if you don't use them, you forget them. Mm-hmm. But when they're practical. So I think when we go through our daily walk of trials and the things that are our challenges, and we focus on the scriptures that go with those they are highlighted and they should become ones that we are memorizing mm-hmm. because those are the ones we are going to use
0: to be fruits in the Spirit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, where there's, a, there's immediate so they, application. that person,
1: you as a person, understand how God works with that and that's how you can bless other people. Yeah. You may not have a greater understanding of another part of the Scripture. Yeah. That's it's your responsibility to work with those.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, John.
1: sort of probably expanding on what you were getting at but this practice is much more medieval than contemporary in terms of the bent of our culture I mean you think about somebody eliminating a manuscript or apprenticing a trade where the road memorization is part of everyday life for all Mm -hmm. kinds of things as a way to attain information because there wasn't access and now we have total distraction all the time and to sit down and do something like this is completely counter to every other part of our life. Yeah. But
0: that makes it wonderful. Yeah, right. There's real benefit in that. Yeah. Yeah. That, let, me, let, me, um, let me get... Because we're even shifting some into the how question, which is right. We should, we should look to this. So let, let me do that so that we can ensure that we have some time to talk about meditation as well. So how do we memorize Scripture? Most fundamentally, ask God to help you. I mean, like... It, it, don't we, shouldn't we think that, that God himself wants us to memorize his word and know his word? That he's for us in this. So we should ask him to help us in this way. Secondly, have a plan. So here are some suggestions that i try to give. Um, one, and this would go with what Janet said, to memorize topical verses. To find those issues, those struggles, particular places where scripture might address those things and memorize those passages. Kind of the uh, the evangelical standard is this, the NAVS verse pack, the topical memory system. Some of you will know this probably. Um, you can find that online uh, there at the link I provided for you uh, that, that are topical verses. And it's, they say, here, here's kind of a, a great starting place to have a foundational knowledge of these important verses to know. Then another option, and th- this is a re- this is a great one as well, is to memorize whole sections or books of the Bible. And that might seem ridiculous and daunting. Um, it does to me. And uh, but but there are a couple ways on here that I, I've tried to get practical that could that can help us in this way. There is uh, an app for the iPhone, and I'm there. And if you just search for any mobile device, there's going to be all kinds of other things along these lines. But uh, apps on your phone just to make this even more convenient. To help uh, to help you and aid you in this process, uh, this memory moleskin um, takes one of the little you know the little moleskin notebooks. Uh, that's what this was based on that partner to remember app, and it would have somewhere between um, usually four to seven verses a week on there, just uh, just the text for you so that you could work on memorizing it. And uh, so I commend that to you as a uh, just various ways to find some practical helps on that front. Some suggestions for particular passages to spend time memorizing that could really bear fruit that do have application in a lot of different areas of your life, but that also are focused on some of the most significant things that Jesus said and did. Matthew 5 through 7, Sermon on the Mount, John 14 to 17, uh, Jesus' high priestly prayer, um, upper room discourse. In the First Corinthians thirteen, this classic passage on love, and Colossians three, um, which is all about this new life that we have in Christ, putting off the old, putting on the new. Um, practically find time by filling in the corners. Okay, that, I think like as we've said here, this is one of the most daunting things that we. It, it's hard to find the time, but set aside ten minutes in the morning. Use the time while you're on your commute in the car. That's actually. Uh, For me, that's one of the best things Um, when you're dozing off at night. That might not be the best for some people. That's great Um, when you can't sleep while you're working out, while you're out running, while you're uh, on the elliptical. uh, Use that time while you're grocery shopping. There gets to a point where if you've memorized enough or you've wrestled with it enough, you don't actually have to have it in front of you. You can be practicing it at other times. And so fill in the corners in that way. Look for those times um, fight discouragement by continually returning to the gospel. God will not love you more if you memorize more of his word. Really, he won't. He loves you completely and fully right now, and he's committed to making you more like his son. So, return to the gospel. This is where I think we get off track real easily. Um, general memorization helps from, uh, from a guy named Andy Davis. Um, I'll do these real quickly. Dang. It's not true. He's not related to me. No. Uh, memorize word perfectly. This is important. It's easy to cut corners. Uh, stick to that. Review old verses. Uh, Donald Whitney says you might get to a point where 80% of the time that you're actually working on memorization is review. That's good. That's okay. That's actually a great point to get to. Review old verses. Repetition over time is, is key. Memorize the reference and verse numbers. That helps from having sections fall out when you're trying to memorize, especially if you're trying to memorize a chunk. Um, photograph the verses with your eyes. Try and sear them into your brain as you are reading them. That's another aid for you. Um, say it out loud. This is really helpful for me uh, to, to try and speak them out loud um, so that you have these multiple ways in which you're, you're attempting to, uh, to memorize. And then weed the garden. Go back to the text and help correct errors uh, as you continue on. So that's memorization. So much for spending more time on meditation, but here we go. Uh, So what is it? Uh, There's this ancient practice. It looks like Lectio Divina. Here's a fun fact for you. It's ecclesiastical Latin. I only know this because I read it in a book this week. And not classical Latin, Latin, so it's actually (coughs) Lectio Divina. There you go. What is it? It's practicing the presence of God as we pray scripture. And this is sometimes called sacred reading. Um, And this is some of what John was saying, too, where this was very prominent in the church for about the first 1500 years of the church. What happened then that would change that? Printing Printing press. Exactly. You could know the word and have access to the word. And it's not to say that having this is not absolutely wonderful, but it did push aside this, uh, this very common practice of trying to practice the presence of God by prayerfully studying and meditating upon one verse. Um, so a few different definitions of this. Define meditation as deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in scripture for the purposes of understanding, application, and prayer. Uh, good quote from Foster. Our task is not so much to study the passage as it is to be initiated into the reality of which the passage speaks. Always remember that we enter the story not as passive observers or as those who are just objectively studying the text, but as those who are active participants in this. And then another from Bonhoeffer, just as you do not analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart as Mary did. That is all. That's meditation. So um, recognizing and listening deeply to how God's word applies to you by the work of the spirit. Prayerfully reading and mulling over a passage of scripture. Um, Reading it not to master the text, but to have it master you is another way to say that. Um, Reading for depth and not for breadth. Uh, so the goal here is transformation and engagement with God, not information. Again, this is very helpful for us who are academically oriented in our study of Scripture. Um, so a couple, another couple passages there. Joshua 1, we already looked at familiar passage from Psalm 1 that, uh, that speaks of the benefit of delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. Uh, Psalm 63, David speaks of this. Uh, I'll remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Psalm 119 is rich with these references. And then Luke 2, where uh, there's this seeming, it's kind of an odd verse that Jesus has just been in the temple where he's, this is the boy Jesus, 12 years old. The only time we have anything except for his, uh, as an infant and as an adult. And he's been teaching and then, uh, and he says all these things that didn't you know I should be in my father's house. And so Mary is very, is not sure about this. And she says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart mulling them over. Um, And then a quote from Calvin on that passage. Okay, why meditate on Scripture? A lot of this applies also. There's overlap here with memorization. The Bible speaks of this practice, but I think the biggest reason is to say that, that this enables us to go beyond knowing about God or to be to knowing about the God of the Bible to actually knowing the God of the Bible. Recognizing that this word applies to you and your particular circumstances, and is a means by which you engage with the living God. Um, challenges, difficulties to this. Um, maybe the biggest is that it requires uh, time. It requires that we would slow down, and that that is really, really difficult. You have the to.
1: The other part of that too, brother, is it requires quiet. Yes. And we don't want to be quiet. We don't want our room to
0: be quiet. Yes. Yeah. That that's absolutely true. Uh, these these are things that are harder to come by. That you have to be intentional about. Um, it requires that we stop treating the text as merely an object of study. Uh, so those are some fears that we might uh, we might run into. Okay. How do we meditate on scripture? What does lexio look like in practice? Uh, this is put together by John Cunningham. his pastor in Virginia. Uh, and he called a four-course feast. This is helpful, I think. Um, for the appetizer is silence here. Um, that you would prepare yourself for communion with God. That you'd quiet yourself. That you'd find a time where this is possible and, and, and make that time. We'll actually talk about the practice of silence and solitude in a few weeks. But this is one where you have to create space for this to occur. And we have to detach ourselves from being busy. This might mean putting your phone to airplane mode, or even better, turning it off completely for a time. First course, Lexio. This reading—it's um, it's a listening kind of reading. Pray that that pray, asking that God would speak to you through His Word, and approach the text expectantly. That this is how God speaks to us. So read it slowly and attentively. You can read it silently to yourself and read it out loud as well. There might be other things that you discover about it in that reading out loud. And then note those words, images, or phrases that would jump out at you. The second course then, meditatio. Yeah. One thing that I've done kind of similar to this is to help me slow down is
1: to actually write out scripture.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's great. That's great. That's another, yeah, that's wonderful. Wonderful suggestion that would get at even different than reading it silently or out loud, be writing it, engaging in all these different ways. I
1: think church sells the
0: journals. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they, there are some there. Uh, this is a, um, I know uh, Lynn, their, their small group has done this where there's, you, you write the word, you, you write it repeatedly, don't you? I mean, you, you copy sections of scripture okay, with... An... So you write it down and then your
1: thoughts on the other
0: side. Okay, yeah. So there there's actually, there's a book on the... John is the one that we're looking at now. Okay, yeah. So that's a great resource for this as well. Um, so then meditate on it. Chew it thoroughly. Uh, an example here from, from Donald Whitney... Um, John 11.25, try repeating and emphasizing a different word. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You can even see with just emphasizing a different word there, it's getting at the verse in a bit of a different angle and might provoke uh, some more some more thoughts uh, as to how uh, who Jesus is, how uh, it applies to us. So relate and apply it. Engage emotionally with it. Think honestly about how it strikes you. Thinking, I, I want to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but I don't really know what this means. Um, I want to experience this life, but I don't. Those are honest questions of how it might strike you. Do that before the face of God, quorum Deo, and then attend to God's presence through the Holy Spirit. So that'd be second course. Third, then, would be conversing intimately with God, praying or audio. Um, reflect on what stood out to you and why and then bring that to God. What is that? It's, all uh, it's all Latin. Yep. So be present with God and then affirm this love between you and God. This is a relationship that you have. Speak to God in that way and hear Him speak to you. And then the final uh, final step there, dessert. Um, contemplatio. Communion with God. This would be savoring what it is that's just occurred. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the psalmist says in Psalm 34. So enjoy God, contemplate God, joyfully rest in Him, be with Him. A couple other practical things as we close here. Um, you know, Bonhoeffer had this uh, underground seminary in the midst of World War II, it was in Germany. Um, hiding from the Nazis all the ways in which the regular training for ministers uh, would occur and the seminaries were closed down eventually unless they went the route of what Hitler was okay with which as you can imagine was probably not what the Bible was hoping for in terms of training and equipping ministers. Um, so he had this underground seminary and, and of course he was brilliant. Uh, it uh, was a brilliant uh, expositor of the scriptures and understood the Bible studied very well Um, But an integral part of his uh, of this training and equipping for ministry was a daily time of of meditation on the word. You can read about this in um, in life together, his book that talks some about the seminary. But he he there would be an assigned text for the entire week. And that was all that you would do in this time was meditate just on one text. And, And you can imagine the fruit that would come from focusing in that way. Another way to do this would be to select one verse, phrase or word in the course of your daily reading that you might come across. If you do like I read the Bible in the year kind of thing, take one verse, something that does stand out to you and meditate on that. Um, so questions for reflection for you to think about there. Uh, and then there's some some further reading there. I'd love to I'd be happy to talk more about these things. I apologize for having to rush through particularly this meditation part, but I think these are key practices that if we implement can can actually move us in the direction of engaging with God rather than just acquiring knowledge about him. So very, very important.